Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. And hey, do we sound different today? I bet we might because we are both recording from home. It's social distancing time. That's right. Uh, We should probably set the stage here. Uh, We were always a little... uh, uh, fast and loose with our descriptions of our, our previous recording scenario. Sometimes we more accurately described it. Sometimes we presented a slightly sci-fi vision of where we might be. Uh, for my own part, I am currently hunkered up in my closet, surrounded <laughs> by my clothes and my wife's clothes. I've got, uh, there, there's a nice shelf of, of board games across from me. Uh, I have a, a, a monstrous compendium over there as well, full of uh, AD&D monsters that I can see. And uh, next to me, uh, f- for today's episode, I have a mascot. I have my VHS copy of Jerry Maguire, which, which one day uh, I hope to hand off to the Everything is Terrible crowd and uh, let them take it to the desert and build the pyramid. Uh, it's, so it's a symbol of hope, you know, that, that one day this video will be a part of the pyramid and one day uh, we'll have moved through and past uh, our current circumstances. And Jerry will ascend to become <laughs> part of the all Jerry. How about uh, you, uh, Joe? Where are you located at the moment? So I'm in my laundry room. Uh, (laughs) Rachel helped me set it up. Uh, We've got towels and blankets draped everywhere. I'm here in my sweatpants and my Electric Wizard t-shirt. I also, inspired by you, I have a little talisman uh, to to help us through. So uh, in in this time of need for gods and idols, I have uh, my action figure of Tom Atkins from Night of the Creeps. And he's got, he's got a little, uh, he's got a shotgun and he's got his trench coat and he's got a bottle of Coors Light. And then I also have with me a tiny replica. I was telling you about this earlier of a, uh, a tiny replica that we got at the National Museum of Iceland that is a replica of uh, a little idol or, or trinket found, I believe, from like the 10th century in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a seated figure with a, with a conical hat holding a cross-shaped object in front of it. And they don't know if this idol is supposed to be Jesus or Thor. And oh, wow. I like that ambiguity. And I really love the, the, the inclusion of the Tom Atkins figure because Tom Atkins and, and Tom Atkins character specifically in Night of the Creeps, it's uh, it's, it's kind of like top shelf Rousedower, you know, like big yep. budget Rousedower. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just want to say real quick, uh, I, our audio quality is obviously going to be down from what it usually is, but also we are waiting on some gear to be delivered to our houses. So during this time of social distancing, we can record uh, hopefully something that sounds a little bit better than we sound today. So if if the quality is not to your liking, please do stick with us for uh, upcoming episodes in, in, in the coming weeks, because hopefully it'll be better next time. Yeah, the, the technology is going to drastically improve over the next few days. And also, I think we're going to get more used to recording remotely like this. Uh Ultimately, you, the listener, some of your favorite shows, even in our network, employ remote production like this, and you might not have even noticed it before. Um, so I, I think we'll get accustomed to it. We'll pick up some new uh, tips and tricks to make it work. And uh, either way, this is the uh, this is the only path forward at this point, because uh, we are uh, uh, we're again, we're practicing social distancing. Uh, we are not going back into the physical studio together uh, for the foreseeable future. 
Now, we know this is a tough time. It's a challenging time. Our jobs provide us with the privilege of continuing to do this from our homes. And we really, we don't take that for granted. We know not everybody has that privilege. Uh, But we're going to keep recording the podcast because it fulfills us. And we hope that it can continue to be of use to you as well as we all work through this together. Absolutely. We uh, we hope we can be there for you throughout all this, and uh, we appreciate you sticking with us as well. This episode is going to be a little different from what you probably have come to think of as a usual stuff to blow your mind episode. We don't have a, a, a concrete topic for this one. This is about catching you guys up. It's about, uh, you know, honestly serving as a Band-Aid episode while we get all of our gear in so that we can keep pumping out uh, the sort of episodes you've grown accustomed to over the years. Now, uh, one thing that we did want to talk about today is uh, is the issue of social distancing itself. Uh, I'm sure at this point you're not wondering what that is. You've probably heard about it. You've uh, probably been told you should do it. it. But I think it's not clear to me that everybody's taking social distancing seriously yet. We've even, this was last week, so hopefully these opinions have changed. But last week we even heard from a few people directly who think that uh, the recommendations that people should stay home, if at all possible, is a symptom of hysteria or overreaction. I, I want to be very clear that it is not. Right. Yeah. Over the weekend, I know I personally, uh, my, my family, we were already practicing social distancing, but then we, uh, I was in the car, I drove past a, a popular brunch place near where I live, and it was it was packed. It was frighteningly packed. Um, now, I don't know if in some cases, maybe maybe in some cases people were, were, were certainly not taking it seriously. Maybe in other places people thought that they would show up and basically have a, a mostly empty restaurant uh, at their hands. But if the latter is the case, then a lot of people made the same uh, error in judgment. Uh, either way, it was I think it was pretty clear to a lot of people over the weekend that not enough people were taking it seriously. And I just hope that an increasing number of people are realizing the, the importance of social distancing. Uh, yeah, there are several reasons why it's important for anybody who is able to practice social distancing, meaning you stay at home as much as possible, limit your interactions with other people, limit trips out, especially to crowded places, to um, only what is absolutely necessary. And that would be things like uh, like healthcare visits, uh, 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 grocery and pharmacy, basically. Now, there are several reasons right now why it's really important that everybody who is able uh, limit their interactions with, with other people as much as possible. Of course, it limits your exposure to a virus that is now just uh, uh, just you know bouncing around within communities. We're no longer talking about it just being something that uh, is a product of travel, of course. It's, it's throughout cities uh, in, in the United States and many other countries, too. Uh, now, you, you might think, okay, but I, I, I'm not all that worried about how this virus would affect me. I'm young and healthy. I don't really care. I've had a bad flu before. This was the nature of some of the messages we were seeing, you know, from young people like uh, uh, posting on our channels. And there are several reasons why I want to drive home that this way of thinking is really misguided right now. Uh, first of all, even for young and healthy people, this is a much more dangerous infection than a regular flu. Like people in their 20s and 30s are experiencing severe cases requiring hospitalization, and sometimes they are dying from this. It's just that they are requiring hospitalization and dying at a much lower rate than older people, say, in their 60s and 70s and 80s. 
I remember what it was like to be a teenager. I remember feeling invincible. You know, even even if you are more likely to come through this infection uh, without a severe, you know, like without a need for hospitalization or without dying, like you are not invincible. Uh, but more than that, the, the much more important point is if you're young and healthy, you still want to limit your exposure to the virus so that you don't get infected and then spread it to others who are at much greater risk than yourself. Uh, and so you might think, well, OK, that's reasonable. But, well, if if I start to get sick, then I'll just stay home. Then I won't spread it. You know, I start coughing. I have a fever. That's when it's time to stay home. It would be great if that was the case, but unfortunately, it looks like it's not that easy. So at first, some authorities were suggesting that you would only be contagious if you were showing symptoms. Uh, I actually know people who were under this misimpression. Rachel and I were talking about some friends of ours who had been mistaken and saying this the other day. Um, th this does not appear to be the case anymore. There is now pretty good evidence that people with mild symptoms or no symptoms who don't realize they have the coronavirus at all can spread it to other people. And we don't know exactly how prevalent that kind of spread is, but the earlier announcements that it was only significantly spread through major symptomatic cases really appear to be wrong. Yeah, uh, one celebrity example of this, because now we're in the phase where we're, we're, we're definitely hearing a lot of stories about various uh, notable individuals, famous individuals uh, that are showing up positive for coronavirus. Uh, Idris Elba is an example of this. Uh, Big Driss, uh, Stringer from The Wire, um, mm -hmm. and of course he's been in so much more now. Great actor. One of my favorites. Yeah, he's, he's, he's tremendous. And uh, apparently what occurred is he found out that he had been in contact with somebody who tested positive for COVID-19. So uh, out of an abundance of caution, he himself was tested and, found, and it was found that he was positive for COVID-19 despite not displaying any symptoms and feeling otherwise, you know, perfectly healthy, which, you know, you look at Idris Elba and you just assume he must just feel perfectly healthy all the time. That's, that's probably not going to change. If anybody's invincible, he is. Yeah. But just because you feel invincible doesn't mean you cannot be positive for COVID-19 and certainly capable of spreading it to people who are not as uh, physically robust as yourself. And yeah. so he did the right thing and self-quarantined. That's exactly right. Uh, so one example here, th there was a new study published in the journal Science on March 16th. I think that was two days ago now. We're recording on Wednesday, March 18th. And this study was called Substantial Undocumented Infection Facilitates the Rapid Dissemination of Novel Coronavirus, or SARS-CoV-2. Uh, and uh, for a quick terminology thing, COVID-19 is the name of the disease you get. The pathogen is being referred to as SARS-CoV-2. Uh, this study was by uh, Rin Yun Li, Sen Pei, Ben Chen, Yiming Song, Tao Zhang, Wan Yang, and Jeffrey Shaman. And uh, the team used data from the outbreak within China to try to understand how the virus spreads throughout populations and the role of contagion from undocumented cases, people spreading it without even knowing they had it. Their study uh, estimated that prior to when uh, when transportation lockdown went into effect throughout the regions in China, uh, prior to that period uh, on January 23rd, 86% of all infections within China were undocumented. 
They write, quote, per person, the transmission rate of undocumented infections was 55% of documented infections, yet, due to their greater numbers, undocumented infections were the infection source for 79% of documented cases. These findings explain the rapid geographic spread of SARS-CoV-2 and indicate containment of this virus will be particularly challenging. So to make sense of those numbers really quick, it looks like the people who didn't realize they had COVID-19 were only about half as infectious as the people who did realize they had it. But because there were so many more people who had it without realizing it than people who realized they had it, the people who didn't realize they had it were responsible for about 80% of the spread. Wow. And uh, speaking to the New York Times on March 16th, one of the authors here, Jeffrey Shaman, uh, speculated on, on the basis of this research that given our lagging testing capacities here in the United States right now, the number of real infections could be greater than the number of documented infections by a factor of about 10. So uh, so to quote Shaman, quote, if we have 3,500 confirmed cases in the U.S., you might be looking at 35,000 in reality. Uh, and a lot of these people would have no idea they're sick. Uh, I, I was reading a news article from March 16th on CNN, which quoted several public health experts who believe there is a major th threat from asymptomatic, pre-symptomatic, or only mildly symptomatic transmission. Um, according to Michael Osterholm, the director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota, quote, we now know that asymptomatic transmission likely plays an important role in spreading the virus. And, uh, and he says that asymptomatic transmission, quote, surely can fuel a pandemic like this in a way that's going to make it very difficult to control. And that, uh, that sentiment was also echoed by somebody we quoted, I think, in our previous episode about COVID-19, uh, William Schaffner, who's a professor at Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. Schaffner says, quote, asymptomatic and mildly symptomatic transmission are a major factor in transmission for COVID-19. They're going to be the drivers of spread in the community. Uh, so th this is why it's really important. Like there, it looks at this point again, you know, we, we could get a bit of better picture in the future, but it looks at this point, like it's totally possible to be young, healthy, to be only mildly symptomatic or maybe not symptomatic at all, have no idea you have this virus and then go out and do your daily business and spread it to people all along the way. So even if you're healthy, that's why out of, out of caution, it is very important for everybody who is able to stay home and self-isolate right now, or at least not totally isolate, but, you know, practice social distancing. Another way to think of it, even if you're not worried for yourself, staying home is a public service. It is an act of charity at this time. You know, for the next few weeks, at least, you could save a life by doing it. Absolutely. I mean, as we ask ourselves these questions, do I really need to go out for this right now? Uh, do I really need to go to this store? Do I really need to make this purchase? Um, these sorts of questions, uh, you know, are the things we need to be asking ourselves. And I mean, you can really think of this as, as, as a lot of little sacrifices that we're all individually making uh, to, to, again, cut down on this transmission and to enable us to, to flatten that curve. Yeah, that's right. And and to revisit that technology, you've probably heard a lot more about flattening the curve since we talked about it in our original COVID-19 episode. But just to refresh really quick, flattening the curve refers to 
making sure that the infection rate doesn't rise so steeply that it overwhelms our capacity to care for people who are infected. Uh, and that makes a huge difference in the overall case fatality rate of the disease. We are much better at keeping people who have severe infections alive if the hospital system is not overwhelmed while they get infected. And so spreading more people out over time, we think, will lead to many fewer deaths than everybody suddenly getting it all in the next few weeks. Basically, this is I mean, this is a, an encouraging uh, a concept for us to all get behind, because it means that as a society, through this you know collective agreeance, on, uh, on the importance of social distancing, we have the, the power to influence the rate of this thing as it moves through our population and therefore uh, keep uh, the, the surge in cases below the threshold of what our, our hospitals uh, and our, our, our medical um, institutions are capable of dealing with. Yeah. Um, and now a lot of people have been asking, how long? How long is this need going to go on. And unfortunately, at this point, we just don't know for sure. Uh, there, there are some pretty grave estimates out there about how long people would need to practice social distancing in order to get us through, say, to uh, to an effective antiviral treatment or vaccine or, you know, for, for immunity to build up in the communities. I, I would say don't get overly fixated on the most dire possible scenarios right now. Just focus, okay, you know, one thing at a time in the short term, it is definitely going to help either way for more people to stay home for the next few weeks because that at least allows uh, testing capacity and stuff like that and uh, and research to catch up to the virus instead of just allowing its exponential spread to continue during that whole time. So during this time, it's it's very important to make sure that you're getting your information about uh, COVID-19 from uh, from trusted sources, uh, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, the World Health Organization, and uh, and also, uh, you know, mainstream uh, media sources that you can trust. Yeah. Uh, but the other half of it is, um, OK, so let's say you're already on board. You, you've you've bought in. You've bought in on the idea of social distancing. You understand how important it is. If you are at all able, you are staying home. Uh, the next part is like dealing with that situation. Obviously, this is going to present different challenges for different people. Some challenges uh, might be, you know, financial and have to do with how you make a living. And those, those are real issues. I mean, I'm hoping some kind of public assistance comes along very soon to, to ease that burden. But on, on top of that, uh, social distancing is socially challenging, right? Yeah, I mean we're social animals. We are not uh, we're not made up for this kind of uh, you know dist long term certainly distance living. Uh, I mean, and this is something I come back to again. You, we've spoken about social media uh, on this show plenty of times. We've talked about the, um, the the problems with our current social media systems, and just looking online these days. One sees, first of all, one sees some of the strengths of social media emerging. You can see like, oh, well, this is what it was supposed to do. It's connecting us. And especially in times when we are physically distant from each other, uh, it, it can be very comforting to have that kind of connection. On the other hand, I also see examples of the negative aspects of social media, uh, unfortunately, amplified in this scenario as well. Um, 
So I, I think that's going to be a continuing challenge uh, over the weeks ahead as we figure out how to best use these social media tools and these, uh, the, these, these connective tools, how to use them effectively and in ways that, that foster social communication and social connectedness without, uh, you know, giving in to these negative aspects that are generally built into the platforms we're using. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, this, it's funny, I, I'm usually somebody who's pretty focused on the negative aspects of social media, but this week has really made me think about the, the good aspects, like the fact that it allows you to connect directly and often in a higher fidelity way with your friends and family. You know, the idea of doing video chats with family and stuff like that, that, that can be really helpful at these times. Like, you you might just need to see other faces, uh, you know, see, yeah. see other people that you care about, uh, not just hear their voice over the phone, and uh, and so that kind of stuff I think is great. Now the 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 darker side I think of course is that we have definitely seen social media as a source for the spread of potentially dangerous misinformation about this uh, this ongoing pandemic. And uh, so I, I wanted to share one thing on here, Robert, if it's okay with you. I, I posted a little bit about this in the Facebook discussion module for our show um, because a lot of people had been asking, you know, they, they'd said they had frustration about what to do about friends and family and acquaintances posting misinformation on the Internet and like like how to address that at this time. I will say that I'm someone who generally does not advocate arguing with people on the internet. I think it is almost always unproductive and often counterproductive. I would say that uh, arguing probably isn't the right word, but but this is the time, I think, to participate in the information battle. Like it, if people are sharing potentially dangerous misinformation about how this virus spreads or how you can protect yourself and, and stuff like that, you, this is the time to get into that conversation. Absolutely. We should be able to come together in these moments, find the common ground and fight against uh, the inhuman uh, enemy that is uh, this virus. Yeah, totally. And and information is one of our best weapons uh, in, in this battle, like knowing what works and what doesn't, having a, a solid information source, having a clear understanding of how disease spreads, what can be done to stop it. That all really matters. Uh, so I, I just wanted to share a few things that, that came to my mind about what to do when you see people spreading misinformation online. I, I, this one might be obvious, but the first one that I wanted to say was just make sure that you know what you're talking about before you go in and try to correct somebody else. It may very well be that you're working off of outdated information. Information landscape is changing really fast right now. And yes. uh, so so do your own double checking before you before you start a fight that might turn out to be pointless. That's right. I mean, I I found myself over the past few days in conversation with somebody and they'll have a TV on in the background and they'll suddenly be privy to an update that uh, I, I don't have just by mm -hmm. virtue of, of me not being plugged in uh, for, you know, 10 minutes. Yeah. You can you can miss something. Uh, and a minute ago, I said fight. I, I, I shouldn't. I'm, we're not encouraging fighting of any kind. I, I guess I just mean like you know, in any form of disagreement with somebody, right. uh, you know, you, you've got your disagreement bucks and you want to spend that budget wisely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you are actually confident that the information you see somebody sharing is incorrect, I would say, I mean, this, it's not a one size fits all, but my 
experience tells me that a good strategy for dealing with it is to message the person privately first instead of commenting publicly. I think that with this strategy, you might get more people to take down misleading original posts if you don't like embarrass them in front of their friends. Public shaming often has a, a, a counterproductive effect that causes people to get defensive and double down on what they originally did. Right. I, I like this this point because you're leaning into person-to-person communication instead of the ultimately weird person-to-person communication for performance that is commenting on somebody's Facebook post or what have you, or certainly their Twitter uh, tweet, uh, because uh, because, because, yeah, it, like you, you could, you might not even be intending uh, to uh, to publicly shame them, but you are engaging in something that is at least semi-public. Yeah, and it might feel like public shaming to them, even if you don't mean it that way. Right, especially uh, with everybody. Everybody's uh, uh, levels are a little off right now. We're maybe a little more inclined to take uh, personal offense at something like that. You know, it's it's these are not the best of circumstances for uh, for for misunderstandings like that. Totally. Uh, but then I would say the next step is okay if you try that and they don't remove the misinformation after a private message then it probably is time to post publicly. And again, not be confrontational. Don't be a jerk. Don't try to own them. Just post corrections or sources for the benefit of onlookers so that somebody can see this being answered with correct information. Right. Uh, again, don't. It's not, about, it's not about owning people. It's not about showing that they did something stupid. In fact, what I would say is that generally you want to avoid all forms of you language in these communications you you know don't say like you're posting bs you're posting pseudoscience you're doing dangerous stuff just focus on the information and the facts themselves yeah one example of this in action I, an acquaintance of mine on on facebook had posted something and uh, i just responded to it by saying the associated foreign press has uh identified some issues with this particular post uh, and then I uh, and that they had shared and I included a link to that AFP article uh, so you know I didn't engage in you I didn't say uh, you know anything of the sort I just said like hey here's some information about the thing you just shared and then they took it down that's great I, I think that's an ideal interaction like there's no reason to unnecessarily multiply the nastiness of these interactions people are going to be on edge enough yeah All right, on that note, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Hey, uh, so we're still getting used to this format, and we realized we were going to make an announcement at the top of the episode, and we forgot to do it. So maybe here's the place to make the announcement. Uh, We're going to be publishing some playlists of classic Stuff to Blow Your Mind episodes uh, you know, uh, we heard that this might be useful to some people while they're, you know, trying to, to find entertainment and comfort and things to do while they are social distancing in their home. So first thing, I, we're, we're basically going to do a Halloween in March thing, or as uh, as I've been calling it, Halftober. <laughs> oh, yeah. Finally looking back on October now. Uh, and certainly those episodes that we did. So these are going to be 10 episode batches of past episodes that, uh, that, we, that Joe and I have personally curated. We're going to make sure that these don't drop in between a part one and a part two of anything. Uh, But hopefully this will serve to put more engaging content out there and won't make you feel overwhelmed. It hopefully won't be disruptive. Certainly let us know uh, 
how you feel about it once we start implementing it. But you're probably going to see this on a few other shows within this network as well. Uh, and yeah, uh, it was actually pretty fun to go back through the catalog and pick out a week of, in this case, October related stuff. Uh, and then uh, a couple of other fun themes ahead. That's right. So uh, yeah, download the playlists if you want, but also don't don't be worried that we're going to playlists instead of our regular episodes. Uh, we're doing everything we can to keep stuff to blow your mind. Brand new episodes coming out on schedule. So uh, so we're still doing our thing. Yeah. In fact. Uh, for next week, I believe we have part one already recorded. We recorded is the last thing we recorded in the studio before uh, we uh, we put that that sort of production on hiatus. Uh, and then we're going to record. Joe and I are going to record part two of this series uh, sometime this week. So yeah, normal stuff to blow your episodes are are right around the corner. Um, hopefully, everything will be back. <laughs> back and moving next week uh, because they're really fun episodes. I'm excited about them and they don't have anything to do with uh, infectious disease. Uh, so I'm excited about that angle as well. Wait, do they not? Does it never come in? Maybe not. Oh, well, it might show, I don't know. It might come up once or twice, but for the most part, I don't think it's involved. You always got to slip a few germs in there. Yeah. All right. So next, I guess we were thinking about uh, what talking about what uh, people could do to help keep their brains from melting apart from, listening to a bunch of old episodes of our podcast. You know, if if you're stuck at home, you're trying to be responsible, do all the social distancing you can. Uh, What what are some ways to to keep the mind agile and, and, uh, you know, not find yourself giving in to all of your your worst mental impulses? Well, uh, you know, obviously escape into uh, fiction and fantasy and video games and so forth is great when you can do it. Um, You know, to to quote the great uh, uh, Warren Zevon, Lock the gates, Goofy, take my hand and lead me through the world of self. But uh, <laughs> but it's hard to do that like nonstop. Uh, and, uh-huh. and this is where I think mindfulness is, uh, is really important. So if you've listened to the show long enough, you know, I'm a big advocate of mindfulness practices, especially yoga. And given the, the amount of stress, disruption, anxiety, and uncertainty in everyone's life right now, it is the perfect time to maintain, resume, or even begin a mindfulness practice. But at the same time, disruption and social distancing can make it very difficult. So just a quick reminder about what mindfulness practices are and what they are not. Mindfulness practices can allow us to temporarily remove ourselves from the inner monologue, from the default mode network signals that just wear it can wear against us over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, to focus on the moment, to focus on the breath, to focus on uh, on something that is that is not just this this, this inner. Uh, storm. And as such, these practices can help with anxiety and stress. At the same time, these are not magical cures, and they are certainly not replacements for medical uh, and or psychiatric care. If you want more info about the particulars of these distinctions, I urge you to check out a pair of our past episodes. We did one that was an interview with Ann Swanson titled Science of Yoga, and then there was another one titled Meditation Lab Empathy and Energy. Now, for my own part, you know, I have to say, I, I had grown rather accustomed in my life to swimming at the YMCA several times a week, attending two to three yoga classes, both at the YMCA and at local studios, uh, local Yoda, yoga studios, in addition to some... Yoda studios. Yoda studios. <laughs> well, it, Yoda is very uh, yogic uh, in his practice. I've never looked it up before, but I, get, I kind of assume that his name is basically... Uh, uh, you know, fantasy sci-fi ease for uh, for for yoga. So anyway, I'd grown to grown to accustomed to a particular rhythm 
of, uh, of mindfulness and sort of self-care. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, now uh, the local YMCA, like I think most of these, uh, if not all of these uh, facilities, are clo- is closed. Uh, my local yoga studios are all physically closed. My wife and I are at home. My, our seven-year-old is at home. And as many of you are finding out as well, teleschooling comes with a, an adjustment period, shall we say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to make uh, time for meditative self-care uh, at the moment, but it's also very balancing and rewarding uh, for a time like this. Like just yesterday, I managed to squeeze in just a little yoga time for myself, and and then I, I found that it, it made a huge difference in my ability to roll with a little frustration that occurred um, around dinner time. Um, so I'd like to just briefly run through some options, and these are not, you know, uh, one-size-fits-all options, but I just want to run through some options for those of you out there that are in search of mindfulness options at this time. So first of all, check and see if your local yoga studios, meditation studios, YMCA's, fitness clubs, etc., are offering virtual classes in one form or another, because many are doing this. Some were already doing this to begin with, and it's a great way to get some level of uh, the social interaction that your class entails uh, and the mindfulness practice and even the exercise that you need, all while supporting local teachers and businesses. So check around, because I'm finding some students Studios and centers are also even just uh, offering free streams uh, right now. Is they, you know, either just as a way to sort of spread the word, to to just you know do something good for uh, for everyone out there, or just to get their their technology up and running uh, to where they can make it part of their their business model to sustain them through a difficult time. Oh, and then a, a plus side to this, of course, means that a lot of local places become broadly available via this method. So perhaps you moved away from your favorite yoga studio. Well, now's a great time to reconnect and see if they're offering any kind of online support for you. On top of that, there are various there are some great uh, apps and streaming services out there. Uh, I want to say that neither of these are current advertisers or anything for the show, but I'm just mentioning a couple that I personally have experience with. There's an uh, there's an app and website online service. Uh, titled Glow, G-L-O, formerly Yoga Glow. Uh, I've used this before. It contains tons of yoga and meditation videos for all skill levels. Uh, for instance, there was a period of time where I had a shoulder injury, and it prevented me from doing uh, a lot of different uh, yoga practices uh, in a way that I was pleased with. I was able to find some practices that were specifically tailored for people uh, who had to go easy on their shoulder, that sort of thing. Uh, So that's a good source. Simple Habit is another one. This is a meditation app. uh, And this one, I believe, is a previous advertiser on the show um, some months back. Uh, But during that time, I got to try it out. And it seems like a pretty solid uh, way of of exploring uh, meditative possibilities uh, for you. But these are just two examples that I have personal experience with. There are a bunch of them out there. So I would encourage you to just you know, look around. Maybe there's one you can, uh, you can do a free uh, trial on, uh, try out, see how it goes. And then there are various streaming um, opportunities that are going on uh, with uh, yoga teachers, meditation teachers, uh, you know, across social media platforms on YouTube, et cetera. All right, we got to take a break, but we'll be right back with more. All right, we're back. Yeah, so we we've also been trying to find ways to keep our keep our brains healthy, and I will say one thing that's been 
very useful to us is just getting out of the house to walk, you know, not going yes. to anywhere that would be uh, that would be crowded with other people or that would have, you know, places where you'd be touching public surfaces, uh, but just getting outside and going on a walk. And as long as you keep your distance from others, you're not like handling, you know, stuff that other people have been around or interacting with. I think your risk is extremely low uh, just walking around. Yeah. Now we do want to stress that things can change as in the event of a lockdown where you were asked to not leave your homes. But generally speaking, this is true. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about the possibility of the lockdown affecting this uh, if that comes about. But uh, but yeah, I mean, if uh, if it is not prohibited where you are, obviously, uh, just walking around outside can be relieving. It can be refreshing. It can make you feel a kind of mental reset. Uh, in a way that does not involve you getting within the danger radius of other people or, you know, like handling doorknobs and stuff like right. that. And you can even wave at people and their dogs, uh, yeah. which is which is nice. Uh, I, I personally have enjoyed working uh, a fair amount on my front porch while the weather's been nice and people have been out on walks. I can wave to them. I can say hi. And uh, and that's good. Occasionally, a child will make a break for it to come up and ask where my son is and they'll, you know, some parents will have to intervene and say, all right, nope, nope, come back, safe distance. <laughs> uh, there's a learning curve with the children on this, this new way of approaching things. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, definitely encourage you uh, to consider uh, nature walks, neighborhood walks, if you have the ability to do so. You know, just again, provided there's enough space to ensure social distancing. Um, connection with nature in and of itself boasts uh, proven effects for physical and mental well-being. We've talked about that on the show before. Uh, walking meditation on top of this is, uh, is a way that you can potentially um, contribute to, to at least the, um, uh, the mental well-being being aspect of this, adding a meditative practice to your walk. Uh, There are various guides to this online. You can find podcasts related to uh, walking meditation as well as videos. Uh, And uh, I've I've only really dipped my toes in walking meditation in the past. Um, I I do enjoy walking, but walking meditation kind of adds a, a practice on top of that uh, that is it kind of forces you to to again in the same way you might focus on your breathing you're you're going to focus on your breath and you're going to focus focus on your steps so uh, I would I would encourage anyone that's interested to look into it especially if you if you find it maybe more difficult to disconnect on your walks these days yeah I think that's totally right I mean I've been thinking about how it's um, I think it's important to try to find ways to make sure that you are experiencing and displaying whatever kind of normality or normalcy is allowed. Um, you know, whatever doesn't actually increase uh, increase disease transmission risk, but helps you maintain the sense of a normal life and and not feel like uh, not feel the anxiety creeping in, not feeling like everything has changed at once. Uh, I think that kind of thing is important and not just for you, but it's important for other people to see that in you as well. Right. On one hand, it is really important to see people taking this infectious disease seriously. But on the other hand, like, you know, the the, the opposite side of the coin would be panic, which is its own kind of horrible epidemic. And so finding whatever kind of uh, uh, normalcy and, and comforting routine you can within all this uh, and, and while adhering to best practices is, is very important. That's right. Yeah. It certainly don't give into panic. Don't, don't give into fear because we, we all remember the litany against fear, right? Oh yeah. We, we've made great use of that in our household. 
I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. That's the Bene Gesserit litany against fear from Dune, of course. We learned that from Paul Atreides. Yes. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I've used this in the past, like legitimately used it as, as a mantra, uh, because in and of itself, it is kind of a mindfulness mantra. But it, but it also, uh, it, it actually can be pretty specifically inspiring on a couple of levels regarding COVID-19. I mean, these, these measures of social distancing and even lockdowns and quarantines that we've uh, been discussing, uh, in effect, we're talking about letting the pandemic pass over and through us, but at a pace we can handle, being the... Uh, uh, the 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 force of control uh, that uh, that mitigates it, and it's again also just a good insight into fear and the uh, you know the, the power of fear and what we can do individually to try and stand against it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as as long as we're uh, we're we're quoting comforting litanies, one thing I've been thinking more and more about is. Um, you know, it's not just normal routines and comfort, but this is an important time to try your best to foster a sense of community. I mean, you can't do that in person right now. Uh, for for me, this has been a great time to read Walt Whitman. You know, the the poet, uh, the poet of masses of people and and communities. Uh, I, this morning, I was reading the poem "Crossing Brooklyn Ferry." Robert, do you know that one? Uh, I don't remember this one now. Uh, well, it, it, it's it's a wonderful poem. It's it's too long to read here, but I I kind of did want to read a selection from it uh, that I found sort of uh, inspiring at this time when he's he's speaking in his mind the idea of the you know the masses of people within the cities coming and going, and he's feeling this kind of like infinite ineffable bond with all these other people, and uh, you know, and and he sort of speaks of coming through crises and uncertainty, and and toward the end of the poem. Uh, he begins to to say this. He says, Appearances now or henceforth indicate what you are. You necessary film continue to envelop the soul. About my body for me and your body for you be hung our divinest aromas. Thrive, cities. Bring your freight. Bring your shows. Ample and sufficient rivers. Expand, being that which none else is perhaps more spiritual. Keep your places, objects than which none else is more lasting. You have waited. You always wait, you dumb, beautiful ministers. We receive you with free sense at last, and are insatiate henceforward. Not you any more shall be able to foil us or withhold yourselves from us. We use you and do not cast you aside. We plant you permanently within us. We fathom you not. We love you. There is perfection in you also. You furnish your parts toward eternity. Great or small, you furnish your parts toward the soul. Oh, that's beautiful. It's a wonderful poem. I recommend people read it. I always... Uh, find myself i don't know i i like to read walt whitman when when i want to feel uh when i want to feel not just better in general but specifically better about other people and better about people i don't know yeah yeah it's it is in many ways it is a good time for an inspiring poetry um if you have poems that you hold dear uh now's perhaps a good time to unearth them uh, uh look them up online and uh and uh, read them again now let me ask you this, Joe. Um, how's your how's your dog handling all this? Is uh, oh, it's 
it's the jackpot for him. I mean, <laughs> suddenly, suddenly his people are home all the time and he's just getting so much attention and so many snuggles while we're working. It's the, this is like the best thing that ever happened to Charlie. Yeah, I feel like uh, our cat is uh, in a similar boat. Like suddenly there's always a warm lap around. There's always someone to inquire about when the next wet food can is being opened. Uh, <laughs> and, and my feet, uh, my socked feet are around even more for the cat to hunt and attack uh, while I'm, uh, you know, get, getting my steps in, just sort of nervously walking around the house. I've been doing a lot of that, too. Just random pacing way yeah. more than usual, even. My wife took my son on a nature walk yesterday. I stayed at the house. Uh, I did some yoga, but I didn't have, like, my phone doesn't capture that. Uh, I didn't have my phone on me anyway. Uh, but then afterwards, we compared our steps for the day. And uh, I think I had equaled or exceeded hers just through a nervous pacing around the house. <laughs> so it, it, has a, it, it, it has a purpose. Uh, well, you know what? I, I think uh, maybe we can conquer some of that anxiety, uh, not just with pacing, but by staying busy. And we are definitely going to stay busy working on the show. That's right. Uh, yeah. And, and again, hopefully it'll be uh, comforting, entertaining, informative uh, for you. Uh, and it'll be, uh, you know, if you were a regular listener of the show, it'll be uh, a normal part of your life that's going to continue, even if other things are kind of in a, a state of transition. All right. In the meantime, uh, let's say, first of all, if you want to socially connect with us and with other listeners, uh, we do not personally engage on our social media platforms that much, but uh, there is a Facebook group for our show. It is the Stuff to Blow Your Mind discussion module. You have to ask to be let in and you have to like answer a question, uh, which is just, it's an easy one. Like, what's the title of the show? That sort of thing. Uh, so it's pretty easy to get in and there's some basic rules to maintain order and civility there. But it's a great way to connect sometimes with us, but more generally with other listeners. Uh, so if you need that in your life right now, uh, go look it up. Uh, in, otherwise, if you want to check out the show, you can find Stuff to Blow Your Mind wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever that happens to be, just rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, those are the actions you can take to help our show. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you would like to get in touch with us, you still can. Uh, you can let us know topics you'd like to hear in the future. You can give us feedback on this episode or any other. Uh, I don't know what your feedback about this episode would be, except... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. People, people, you know, might be able to weigh in about their own mindfulness practices. Uh, the sort oh, of thing, sure. okay. how they're coping yeah. with changes or just, Hey, tell us what, what I'm interested in just knowing what, what video games are you playing? What, uh, what yeah. uh, books are you reading? What movies you're watching? What are you, you know, some of oh. the, the pleasant things that you're, uh, uh, may, you know, maybe even amplifying in your life right now to, to help get you through it. I just had a great idea, actually. We should put together a Stuff to Blow Your Mind community-sourced reading list. Oh, for, yeah. Uh, uh, for, for the social distancing period. So, yeah, may, maybe we will uh, try to do that. Uh, but also, yeah, anyway, I never got to the address. So if you want to get in touch with us, it is contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Thank you.